Matthew 24. I'm ready to look into God's Word tonight. Amen? So, let me set the scene for Matthew 24. Matthew 24 takes place uh, during, as it were, the week we're now in. Jesus has already presented himself as king to the nation of Israel. He's already had his triumphal entry, and he is preparing to go to the cross. And here in Matthew 24 and 25, we have Jesus really giving one last long message to his disciples. Uh, This message is called the Olivet Discourse uh, because it was given on the Mount of Olives. If you see Matthew 24 and verse number 23, we see the stage set. The Bible, you can put it up there, Evan, that's fine. Uh, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying, and we see the stage is set. So we have the Olivet Discourse was given there on the Mount of Olives and it was given in context of Jesus being asked about the future of the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Look at verses 1 and 2, and uh, uh, Evan, if you will, we'll just run 1, 2, and 3. The Bible says, uh, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be overthrown. Brief historical interjection. For those of you who may not know, when Rome came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem in AD 70, the fire of the city caused the gold of the temple to melt into the cracks and crevices of the stones. So literally the soldiers came and pried every stone apart so that they could take all of that gold. So literally, there was not one stone left upon another there at the temple. Verse number three, uh, verse number three, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And so that sets the stage for Matthew 24 and 25. Now, let me give you a couple of notes of context here. If you miss this, you're going to be confused by a lot of what we talk about tonight. So, what Jesus is getting ready to do in these two chapters is answer their question about what are the signs of his coming and the signs of the ends of the world. So Jesus is getting ready to give a description of the end times for the nation of Israel. When you read Matthew 24 and 25, you should not read with the church as the primary recipient in mind. Jesus did not speak this about the church. He spoke this about the nation of Israel and his final coming there and his second coming at the end of the tribulation. So even as we look at this in a few moments, it's going to be painfully obvious that the signs mentioned precede the second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation and not the coming of Jesus for the church at the rapture. So we saw verse 3. He said, And what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? Look here uh, at verse number 29. This is Jesus as he talked. He says, And immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Now, that is revelation stuff, not church age stuff. So, 
as we go through this, the primary uh, interpretation is Jesus was talking about what it's going to be like at the end times for the nation of Israel. The tone of what we're going to look at is one of judgment and not of joy. So don't get confused by that. Why so much judgment when Jesus comes back? Because it's talking about his second coming. When he does come in judgment, when he treads the wine press of the wrath of God and the blood flows to the horse's bridle, he is talking about judgment. The second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation is a coming of judgment. The coming of Christ for the church and the rapture is a coming of joy. And so if I mix those two up, I'm going to end up with some really bad doctrine. I'm going to end up in some really unhealthy places spiritually if I look at Matthew 24 and 25 like Jesus is talking to the church. Because he's not. He's talking to the nation of Israel for the end of times, his second final coming. Now, so that's the first note. Remember, what we're going to look at, Jesus is primarily talking about the nation of Israel at the end times. The second note is I want you to recognize this was given at a critical moment. Jesus has presented himself as king. Jesus is but like two days from the Passover. There's only a little time Jesus has before he goes away. This is a message for the final moments. A message of great importance. And so... What we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at the series of parables that Jesus gives. Very often when we look at these parables, we put a lot of emphasis on the particulars. We pull this and this and this and this and this. But if you look at all of these parables, here's what we're going to see tonight. Very often we look at all the particulars and we miss the point. So I want us to see that tonight. All right, buckle up. Just about two chapters to go. Amen? Let's do it. Uh, Roman numeral one, let's look at the parable of the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus. The first parable we're going to look at is actually Matthew 24, beginning in verse 32. And I encourage you to follow along in your Bible or on the screens. Now learn a parable, Jesus says, of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. For verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also uh, the coming of the Son of Man shall be. For as in the days, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. So let's talk about the parable of the fig tree. Jesus is talking here. And the whole point of the parable is simply this. There is no reason for you to get caught off guard by the coming judgment. None. The people of Noah's day got caught off guard. They didn't see it coming. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And then judgment came and took them all away. 
Jesus here talked of men working in the field. Talked of women grinding at the mill. This is not the rapture. This is being taken in judgment. These men and these women, they were unaware that judgment was coming until judgment came. And at that point, it was too late. Jesus is saying there's no reason for you to get caught off guard by the coming judgment. He mentions here the signs of the times, which is really uh, basically the entirety of Matthew 24 until we get to this point in the chapter. To look at a couple of verses, go back and look at verses 6 through 8. Some of the signs of the time Jesus gives. Matthew 24, uh, we'll look at verses 6 through 8. There it says this, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. This is all Revelation stuff. You look at it, these are the horsemen, as it were. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famine. These are your horsemen that appear at the beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, verses 11 and 12. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We can see elements of that even in our day and age. And then you look, verse 29. We looked at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers and the, uh, of the heavens shall be shaken. Verse 30, it talks about the sign of the Son of Man appearing in heaven. And so we have all of these signs that lead up to the coming of the Son of Man, to the coming of Jesus Christ. If you look at the scriptures in the both Old Testament and New Testament, the signs leading up to the second coming of Christ are abundantly clear. The political signs, the signs in nature, the spiritual signs, Old Testament, New Testament, abundantly clear. And just as the budding of the tree shows that summer is nigh, so the signs of coming judgment are unmistakable. So we see the parable of the fig tree. Jesus also goes on to give the parable of the household or the householder. Look at verse 43 and 44. He said this, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. And he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So who is the thief that comes to break up the household? It is Jesus Christ. He comes as a thief in the night. And the parable is simply this. If you had known when the thief would come, you would have been ready. Amen? Amen. But this is in the context of judgment. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. And he says here, you can know the season, the fig tree and the leaves, but you cannot know the hour. So you better make sure you're ready. You better make sure you're ready. Jesus goes on to tell another parable here about servants. Look with me, beginning in verse 45. Who then, is a wise, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom 
his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, <laughs> My Lord delayeth his coming. And he shall begin to smite his fellow servants. And to eat and to drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. In an hour that he is not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here we see another parable, the story of a servant who doubted the coming of his master. And the Bible says took full advantage of his delay. What did he do? He abused his power. What did he do? He abused other people. What did he do? He abused the trust that had been put in him. What did he do? He lived it up. But what happened? The master returned. Judgment came. And the servant received his due reward. You see, this is one of those passages, and I'll pause here and point this out, because I'm actually like not rabbit trailing too much. I'm making pretty good time. So uh, this is one of those passages that, if I understand, who is Jesus talking about? Who is he talking about? Is he talking about the church? No, he is talking about who? The nation of Israel. And so as I understand that Jesus here is talking about the nation of Israel, Israel, the nation being his servant, It makes a lot more sense why this servant who refused to honor his master ended up cut asunder with the hypocrites in a place where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not about the church. This is not about Christians. This is primarily to the nation of Israel, about Israel being ready for Jesus' return. So we saw the parable of the fig tree. There's no reason for you to get caught off guard by the coming judgment. We saw the parable of the household. You can know the season, but you cannot know the hour. So, buddy, you better make sure you're ready. We saw the uh, the parable of the servants, uh, of a servant who doubted the coming of his master, took advantage of his delay, and received his due reward. Look at chapter 25. Look at that. Look at that whole chapter in like 10 minutes. You with me? Am I going too fast? I can slow down. All right, here we go. Matthew 25. Here we have the parable of the wedding feast. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight... There was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready... They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
So here in Matthew 25, Jesus begins to frame it in such a way that he is describing the coming of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus will reign on earth. You believe that? Hey, I hope he reigns now in your heart. But I'm telling you, there is coming a day when Jesus will reign on earth. And there is no government, power of earth, or power of hell that can stop that. He will reign on earth for a thousand years, and then he'll make a new one and reign on earth forever. I'm looking forward to that. But in the parable here, Jesus is describing the coming of his kingdom. We have here a groom. A groom who has called his bride and is gathering the wedding party together. All had an opportunity to join the party. However, sadly, not everyone was ready. The Bible says that the the, the groom came, that they, they came to start the party there in the middle of the night. And when he showed up, half the people that were to come in were ready, half were not. What do we see? We see that those who were ready were in, and those who were not ready were out, and the door was shut. Oh, we've seen the parable of the fig tree. There's no reason to get caught off guard by the coming judgment. Watch. We, we've seen the, the parable of the household. You can know the season, but you can't know the hour. Make sure you're ready. We've seen the parable of the servant, the story, who doubted the coming of his master, took full advantage of his delay, and got his due reward. We've seen the parable of the wedding party, the, the five wise young ladies and the five foolish young ladies. Those who were ready went in. Those who were not ready were shut out. Finally, this was a longer parable here. Jesus gives us the parable of the talents, beginning in verse 14. A, a, probably a more familiar one to us. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his servants and delivered, them and unto, delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two also gained two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. Thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there. 
Thou hast all that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers that then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take for, therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be, to, to every one that hath shall be given and shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Cast ye the unprofitable servant unto outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Finally, here we have the parable of the talents. Jesus tells the parable of the talents. Of course, the master is going away, and the master entrusts great wealth to his servants. Uh, It's estimated that a talent is about 20 years' wages. And so, tremendous wealth uh, to the guy that had five, tremendous wealth to the guy that had two, honestly, tremendous wealth to the guy that had one. And he uh, administered his wealth to his servants according to their ability. The story is simple. The master leaves. Time passes. The master returns. Some are faithful and are rewarded. One is unfaithful and is judged accordingly. Now here's the thing. Let me make this caveat before we move on to point number two. Now, who, as Jesus is giving the Olivet Discourse, who is he primarily talking to and about? To the nation of Israel, and primarily about his coming at the end, the second coming. Now, does this mean that we as a church can't study and and learn and, and apply certain things to our hearts and lives from this? No. Absolutely we can, right? All things are written for, for our learning. And we can learn and garner some stuff from it. But church, don't confuse you with end time Israel. Because you're not them. Right? I don't know about you, but I don't plan on being here during the tribulation. I plan on being... I guess I'll be up, have nosebleed seats for that one. But uh, we'll be up, up in heaven looking down. We see the parables of Jesus, the parable of the fig tree, the parable of the household, the parable of the servants, the parable of the wedding party, the parable of the talents. Now, I want you to look at the purpose of Jesus. We've seen the parables of Jesus. Now, I need you to see the purpose of Jesus. Sometimes we get lost in particulars and we miss the point. We get lost arguing about what did the oil and the lamps mean. We get uh, lost arguing about, uh, well, how much is a talent, really? We get lost arguing about the usury. We get lost arguing about what, what, it, what it really was in the days of Noah. Uh, what, what's going on with the two women at the mill? Sometimes we get lost in particulars and we miss the point. So go back to the parable of the fig tree. Look at verse 42. This is our summary statement for the parable of the fig tree. Read it in unison together with me, would you? Watch therefore, for ye know not what your Lord doth come. So the parable of the fig tree, we're told to watch. Watch for what? The coming of the Lord. We're told to watch because Jesus is coming again. Hey, we're told to watch. The parable of the fig tree, it's this simple. The parable of the fig tree, the main point is we're told to watch. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. Can you say it with me? Why are we told to watch? Because Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. 
What was our next parable? Our next parable was the parable of the household, right? If, if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief was going to come, he'd have been ready, wouldn't he? But you don't know the hour. So what are we told in verse 44? Kind of our summary verse. Be ye also, what's that word? Be ye also ready. Why? Why should we be ready? For in an hour as you think not, uh-oh, the Son of Man cometh. Uh-oh. So what is the point of the parable of the household? The point of the parable of the household is be ready. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. So what was the point of the parable of the fig tree? Again, it was what, church? The point was that Jesus is coming again. What was the point of the parable of the household? What was it? It was that Jesus is coming again. What about the parable of the servants? Now, we don't have one of those nice summary statements at the end. That, that one ends with cut him in half, weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So we don't have one of those nice flowery summary statements at the end. But I do think we can pick up on one of the key verses here. Oh, you see one of the problem verses. Look at verse 46 is the problem verse. But, and if that evil servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. Why is that a problem? Because we see the point back in verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he... Oh, come on, church. I know it's a Wednesday night. I know I read two chapters of the Bible. But work with me. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he... Amen. Shall find so doing. So you know the point Jesus was trying to drive home about the parable of the servant? It was simply this. You better be busy because Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. Parable of the fig tree. What's the point? Watch because he's coming. Parable of the household. What's the point? Be ready because he's coming. The parable of the servant. Be busy because he's coming. Oh, we got two more. Two more. Can you guess where this is going? Parable of the wedding party. What's the problem here? The problem here is five were foolish. If you look at verse five, we have this. While the bridegroom tarried, we have a delay. The bridegroom is not here. While the bridegroom tarried, what does the Bible say? They all slumbered and slept. And then at midnight, there was a cry made. We find that after the cry was made, five were ready, five were not. But this is another one that we get one of those nice summary statements for. Jump down to verse 13. Jesus gives us the point of all of this. What is the point? Guys, we can't get so lost in the particulars that we miss the point. You can't get so busy trying to argue about what the oil and the lamps may or may not have been that you miss the point. What is the point of this parable, of the wedding party? What is the point? The point, verse 13, put it back up. Jesus says, watch therefore. Why? For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
So what's the point? What is the point of the parable of the wedding party? You better watch and you better be ready. Why? Jesus is coming again. One last parable, the parable of the talents. This is another one of those, like the parable of the servant. We do not have a nice summary statement for it. This one also ends with the unprofitable servant being cast into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, We have a problem here that a servant is unprepared for his master's return. He has not been busy about his master's business. And we see what what I really believe is is a helpful statement as to what the point of all of this is in verse number 19. Look what Jesus says here. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The parable of the talents. You better watch. You better be ready. You better be busy. Why? Why, church? Have you figured it out? Why? Why? Because Jesus is coming again. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but hear me one day, and I believe one day soon, Jesus is coming again. And I want you to see the magnitude of this. Jesus is but days from going to the cross. Jesus could have talked with his disciples about a million different things. Jesus was the master storyteller. And he could have told stories that would have opened understanding to this, that, or the other. But what Jesus felt was important to do was in that moment remind his disciples and remind you and I who read it. And he reminds us over and over and over and over and over and over. Over again that yes, he may be getting ready to go, but he's not going away forever. Mark it down. Jesus is coming again. And so you better watch. And you better be ready. And you better be busy. Because Jesus is coming again. So we've seen the parables of Jesus. We've seen the purpose of Jesus. But what about, what's the point for me? Right? What's the point for me? A couple of things and we're done tonight. Again, number one, be careful about confusing and misinterpreting what was meant for Israel. And even to some regards, you could say tribulation saints. Be careful of confusing and misinterpreting what was meant for Israel and trying to make it for the church. Jesus is warning about being ready for that final judgment at his second coming. You can tell very clearly from these stories, from these parables, this that Jesus is talking about is a day of judgment. And that day of judgment takes place at the end of the tribulation. That is in uh, just basically juxtaposition. It is polar opposite of how the Bible communicates the day of the rapture to us. The second coming is a day of judgment. The coming of Christ for his church is a day of joy. Wherefore, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. Paul says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding into the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. I'm going to tell you, don't get the two confused. If you get the two confused and you try to make these primarily about Christians in the church, you're going to end up in some doctrinal places that are not healthy to be. But what I see here is that over 
And over and over and over again, Jesus wanted to drive home to his followers the reality that yes, he was getting ready to go, but surely he would come again. And church, hear me, that truth remains that Jesus is coming again. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter to recognize and remember his crucifixion, his resurrection. But here's the thing, church. As we get ready and we celebrate the fact that he arose and we celebrate the fact that he has ascended on high, may we never lose sight of the rest of the story. And that is the certain reality that Jesus is coming again. By the way, in case you thought for some reason that it wasn't an emphasis for you and I, do you know what is the first thing that God told the followers of Jesus after he ascended into heaven? I mean, obviously, probably the first words after Jesus left would be pretty important words. I mean, God could have chosen to speak about anything. Do you know the first words that the Lord gave to the followers of Jesus after his ascension? Acts chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. And as they looked steadfastly towards heaven, he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This saying Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So what is the first thing that God reminds them of after Jesus ascends into heaven? He reminds them that Jesus is coming again. You know the last thing God reminds us of before he closes out the Bible? How many of us recognize the Bible is a closed canon? God's not adding any more books to the Bible. I don't care how spicy the pepperoni on your pizza was. Your dream is not biblical canon, right? So as God closed this thing out, Jesus could have said anything to us. Jesus could have said anything to us. But you know what he chose to tell us before he closed this whole thing out? Revelation 22, verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith what? Read it together. Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, John says, come Lord Jesus. Boy, that's good, isn't it? The first message to the disciples after he left, the last message before the canons closed. Listen to me, church. Preachers aren't talking about it anymore. Churches aren't looking for him anymore. It's a big joke in the world anymore. It's a huge joke in the world. But you better watch. You better be ready. Because Jesus is coming again. Can I ask you tonight, are you ready? You know, we can see some signs of the times. I think the world is setting up politically for what we see in the... In the end, I think the world is setting up politically for what we see in Daniel, for what we see in, uh, in, in Revelation. I think, I think it's amazing the way the stage is being set. You know, but here's the thing. We don't know the hour. But are you ready? If Jesus were to come tonight, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know if Jesus came tonight, would you go with him? You know, if you have doubts in your heart, there's no day like today to get it settled. That you are a born-again child of God. That you have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Can I ask you tonight, are you ready? Are you ready? 
Can I ask you tonight, are you watching? How many times in that passage did Jesus tell his followers to watch, to watch, to watch, to watch? Are you watching? You say, well, that's just to Israel. Hear what Paul said to the church in Titus chapter 2. He said, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, are you watching? When's the last time you went about your day? You looked up to the sky and said, you know what? Today could be the day. When's the last time you looked up and said, you know what? Today could be the day. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Are you ready? I hope you are. There's nothing like being ready. Like knowing that your soul is right with God. There's nothing like it. Are you ready? Jesus is coming again. Are you watching? I hope so. I hope so. Jesus is coming again. Can I ask you finally, are you living like it? Are you living like Jesus is coming again? You know, sadly, sometimes my kids aren't old enough for me to have left them home too much. But I remember when I was left home from time to time. And you think you know how long you have till mom or dad get back. And sometimes they say confession is good to the soul. You live differently the first hour and a half than you do the last half an hour. I, you know, church, are we living like he's coming back tonight? Are we living like he's coming back? I think so often we like, oh, he'll come back, but probably not in my lifetime. Why not your lifetime? Do you realize we're a day closer to his coming than we were yesterday? Why not your lifetime? Why not this week? Why not this weekend? Why not now? I love what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3. We'll look at a couple of verses and we're done. John says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But I want you to ooh, but every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. you go back a chapter, 1 John 2 and verse number 28, John has this to say, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Can I tell you? I was talking with one of our school teachers today, and they made the comment. They said this, If the thought of the rapture of the church, if the thought of the coming of Christ for you does not bring your heart joy, then there is something terribly wrong between you and God. Are you ready? Are you watching? Are we living like it? Hey, Jesus is coming again. Even so, come.